Welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins. My name is Christian Gerbera, and this is a deep dive into the works of David Lynch and Jane Austen, and just looking at how maybe these works will intertwine, how maybe they won't, and just looking at what we can find. Just exploring the whole oeuvre of both <laughs> Jane Austen and David Lynch and all the adaptations of Jane Austen, obviously. But we are not focusing on Jane Austen this week. We are doing the second part of our episode on Blue Velvet. And we hope you will enjoy it. Yes. So without any further ado, let's get on with it. All right. Here we go. And then Sandy tells Jeffrey her dream that she had. And she said it was she had it the first night that they that she met him. And it feels very transcendental meditation to me. There are a couple of other incidents in David Lynch's work that I know of that, I mean, he's very into dreams, but the dream is basically, she dreams that the world is dark because there are no robins left in it. And then all of a sudden, all of the, and the robins represent love. And uh-huh. then all the robins come and the love, I guess, brings light to the world. That's a very simplified way of what what she said and jeffrey turns to her after and goes you're a neat girl (laughs) (laughs) it reminded me a lot of his character on twin peaks like just like yeah so like happy-go-lucky and just like i can picture david lynch saying that too yeah you're a neat girl let's say after hearing how his speech is from you (laughs) it's just like so are you i mean you're a neat boy yeah (laughs) you gotta make that clear yeah so then he goes back to see dorothy and offer his assistance and she immediately does not trust him but then immediately after that is like I looked for you in my closet last night because I I thought she thinks of him as a magical closet elf. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think uh... she's so disassociated from reality that she... She's just like, oh, where's that closet guy who tried to help me last night? Who is he back kind tonight? To me for yeah. Once. And she, yeah, she was just living in this like alternate reality where she yeah. just is like, I need. It's like almost like representative of her need for like rescuing. She's like, I yeah. needed you. To, she was almost like she was mad that he wasn't there. Yeah. She was like, where were you? Yeah, I looked for you in the closet. That's where you belong. <laughs> where have you been? <laughs> Get back in there, and. Uh, we go back to the club and see her performing again and everyone loves it she gets a huge applause they're all very respectful and quiet when she's performing and i just think she must be the best thing that's happening in this town i will tell you later when we get into the lost footage there are a couple of acts before her and Uh it's no wonder that she's the most popular thing in town (laughs) but we'll get into that a little bit later and so Jeffrey is there drinking his Heineken, watching her sing, and he noticed that Frank is there as Ugh. well, and he's very upset. But when Frank leaves, he just, he um, follows him. So it's time for follow that bad guy. And oh, yeah, the, the trailing scene. Yes. He follows him to this apartment building on the, I assume, the edge of town. Like a weird, like, I guess it's landlocked, so not shipyards, but like shipping yeah, it was... container areas and it was like this random apartment building in the middle of that which i thought was so weird that i was like how are you secretly following him in this like abandoned part of town it was like yeah that was kind of weird yeah i, I thought that too because he's tailing him and at first it's fine but when it gets to this part place where it looks like no one should be right 
like how do you not notice a car right behind you but i always think that in those kinds of scenes yeah <laughs> always i don't i don't still know that there's anyone who has filmed a perfect tailing scene <laughs> oh yeah it's one of those things but we also this was something from the special features because he wanted it to look like there was a fact there was a factory in the background but he wanted it to look like the factory was moving and you know doing his thing so he they only had one light uh-huh. so they had this one spotlight and to make it look like a factory was running David Lynch made these little cardboard cutouts and uh-huh. moved them in front of the light and they had smoke billowing so that you used to get uh. just like a spotlight and so he just created that at the moment because he said you know, the, there should be factory stuff going on. Yeah, I but, never even caught that. Yeah, it was. That's I mean, so cool. I wouldn't have noticed it if I hadn't watched the um, special, the special features. features. And we wake up to again logs, logs, logs. <laughs> <laughs> Our new theme song. And he says, "The town where people really know how much a woodchuck chucks." <laughs> <laughs> They're really latching onto this like wood bark log. Yeah, it was uh, just idea. so funny. <laughs> Take advantage of it. Yeah, so he goes back to school to pick up Sandy, and unfortunately, Mike notices, and he looks so sensitive about it. Yeah, and I was like, of course she'd be dating the football player. Yeah. <laughs> I was but like, she doesn't care. Yeah, He's I was upset. Say, she's like, I'll just figure it out later. Yeah. They go back to Arlene's diner. Jeffrey basically explains what happened, just in general sense. It's so funny that even though he obviously doesn't want to tell her everything, he still wants to talk to her. And you can tell that he's falling for her. So it's just like the two sides of him are just almost not talking to each other. (laughs) What I found so interesting about that was like how he was, it seems like he was falling for both of the women at the same time. But like, you know, it was like his self was split into two halves. The light side, which was his like more happier. He was like more cautious about, his actions, I guess, mm-hmm. was with Sandy and his darker, you know, in the muck side was with Dorothy. Yeah. And you can definitely see that with the women being like, you know, she, Sandy was like, you know, the <laughs> prim, proper, yeah. you know, popular girl with blonde hair. And, you yeah. know, Dorothy is just like almost like grungy, you know, dark haired, like seductress almost. Yeah. He was like, her and Sandy are like this pop is. as opposite as you can get. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I, you know, you don't really see a lot of conflict within him about those two things. Like no. you never see him feel guilty for Not falling for Sandy or vice versa. No, which I, I personally don't feel like he should because. Well, yeah, he's not really committed. To he's anybody, not committed. So. <laughs> and technically Sandy is with someone else. Yeah, that's true. So I feel like, I mean, he's, it's just like, you know, I don't know how you wrestle with those two sides, especially the severity of the darker side. Yeah. So, but he's telling her basically what he did last night in the tailing. So it's kind of a flashback. We get to see what he did. He followed Frank around. He saw the yellow man. He calls him the yellow man, who's really a detective Detective. ding dong uh, from later. And uh, the well-dressed man, who I guess is Frank, which is just weird. Yeah. Carrying an alligator briefcase. And they went to a murder scene where this guy was hanging out of a window and this woman had her legs oh broken. God, it was yeah. just a quick little thing. I don't know what it had related to, you know, their nefariousness, but... I feel like maybe... Uh, Frank seems like the kind of guy who has, like, other side, like, crime hustles, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. And maybe the guy owed him money or... Yeah, you know it's what probably I mean? a drug deal or something Something, because like I didn't think... They, I think they mentioned drugs <laughs> in the apartment. Yeah. And Jeffrey is taking pictures with a pinhole camera 
which is not something you buy at the store. You uh, either make it yourself or you make it from a kit. Yeah. And you have to like hold the shutter open for a certain amount of time to get the right exposure. And I was just like, what are you doing? How yeah. are you taking pictures with <laughs> detecting I, with a pinhole camera? I did not, I didn't know what those were. I had no idea what it was. And I was like, what is this homemade camera <laughs> contraption? Seems like it's so big. It's so and... funny. I feel like it was a joke just for like me and some other random photographers who know what pinhole cameras are. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe David Lynch has a I'm has sure like he has camera his own pinhole camera. Yeah. He probably has several that he's made. <laughs> he probably only takes pictures with pinhole cameras. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So basically diners riding around in cars and walking are their whole relationship, Sandy and Yep. <laughs> Jeffrey. <laughs> quality time. PG um, quality time. Yeah. And they're both in the middle of this mystery and they are eating it up with a spoon. They love it. Um they maybe do they kiss or they maybe kiss? And she rightfully thinks, uh This is not a good idea. Yeah. I'm thinking you definitely should stay away from jeffrey it's not he's not a good place for you right now No, and i was like at this point he had he had kissed dorothy too hasn't he like oh yeah yeah i've been intimate with her and i just was like i don't know if maybe it's just because he's you know a man of the 80s or whatever <laughs> like a you know like a you know a young guy who's you know got these two beautiful women but he's just like floating back and forth yeah like, i mean not, he doesn't care but i'm thinking not caring at all laura Dern, let's stay away from yeah I was jeffrey like, but you know the heart wants what the heart wants i guess and so he's i mean he's about as dark maybe as she is willing to go like yeah he's kind of like uh, the middle ground yeah <laughs> exactly but you know she sandy definitely has a dark streak too you can tell uh for sure and so we're back to dorothy and we get the real sex scene and the contrast between this scene and the previous scene with Sandy is just profound. Like oh, you yeah. can, I mean, it's night and day, literally night and day. Yeah. Yeah. And I still wrote, I'm sure he won't be telling Sandy this part. Yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> he's probably going to go ahead and just keep this part out. And this is where she really wants him to hit her. And he says, no, I want to help you. And she basically starts kicking him out of bed. And that's when he decides, okay, well, I'm going to hit you because I don't want to get kicked out of bed. What? What? <laughs> I mean, I assume he obviously feels very guilty about it later, but yeah, um, but it's just like one of those things where I, I don't know. I've just never had that. Like, I mean, I've never been in that situation, but, like, I just don't know. Like, that seems like something after you've witnessed someone else being so violent with her. Yeah, but, during... I mean, it's what she's begging for. I, I mean, know. she wants it. Yeah, it was so, like, oh. Yeah, and it slows down when he, like, backhands her, uh -huh. and it gets a very Bob Twin Peaks vibe. It feels like the devil is entering. Yes. that's <laughs> what I got, too, when because it happens a couple of times where the audio slows down. It's, like, this, like, scratchy, yeah. loud but muffled it was i mean it made it scary i was scared yeah I was it like, was oh. scary for sure but they have like a little post-coital moment and she's she's showing him i think they look at like the picture or he's looking at the hat her son's hat and she feels very precious about it but then they start to go outside and who shows up but frank yep. and i was wondering did she want Frank to show up at that moment? Was she hoping that Jeffrey would be there as a protector? Or was she trying yeah. to get him out before? Did she not know? I wonder if it... Because I had... Thinking that far I ahead. noticed that the camera kept panning while he's been there to the open window and the, the curtains billowing. And I kept wondering. I was like, why are we going back to this? Like, it's intentional. I felt like that point. Because it was like a third or fourth time. And then once he gets caught, I was like, was this like... 
the di- like the direction being like he needs to get out like now and right. it's not safe and that was like foreshadowing Frank showing up. Yeah. And I don't know like I I almost I could see where she would maybe would want him to to be like well look who I've got like he's gonna protect me but then I feel like she regrets it almost like either immediately oh, yeah. after it happens or before because she is like. Frank is awful. Yeah. <laughs> he's, yeah. No one can protect me from Frank. <laughs> no, he's, he's you just know, number like one a bad terrorism guy. incarnate. <laughs> and uh, so Frank shows up. He's very menacing. And he's like, we're all going for a joyride. Yeah. Scary. I was like, thank you for naming this next section for me. So they're in the car. And this is when Jack Nance leans over and goes, we may all be killed. <laughs> <laughs> he was so like just goofy. And oh my God, I thought, I thought all his lines were so funny. Yeah. He's, He's definitely the best goon. Frank's like, we're going to go meet a friend. We're going to Ben's house. And we um, go to Ben's house. <laughs> mm-hmm. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, were there three goons? It was three, yeah. right? Yeah. Another four, Frank and three goons. Yeah. So I yeah. don't know if that's something significant. That's, yeah. That's, I don't well, know that's what a... it is, but number four keeps popping up. Hmm. Maybe people like to run in fours. We'll see. So we get to Ben's house. And it is an ugly and strange place. Um, It's green and pink. That's where I first noticed Jack Nance the first time I watched it. (laughs) I Uh hadn't really noticed him previous to that. But and there's it's just this odd assortment of fancy older ladies Uh and men, I think too. And they're just sitting on the couch, just smoking and hanging, reading magazines. Ben is described as suave by Uh Frank, and he is very unruffled by Frank's craziness. (laughs) Yeah. Because Frank's a wild card. Yeah, Ben is an interesting character. Yeah, I... Because he doesn't come across as menacing, but then he punches Jeffrey in the gut, and you think, oh, and he's keeping Dorothy's son, and he's a drug dealer. He's obviously just as bad as Frank, but he doesn't really come across as Yeah, he's not as, like... At uh, first. (laughs) Yeah, outright with his violence. It's almost like subtle violence to me. Mm -hmm. I expected him to be, like... I don't know, like, I expected there to be more to him, almost, like, because I felt like we just got that scene, and that was it. But I expected him to be kind of, like, I couldn't tell if he was this person who was intimidated by Frank all the way, like, he was being controlled, but also still in charge. Mm. If he was, like, doing this because he was scared of Frank, or if he was doing this because he, you know, he knew he was needed by Frank, and he was like, well, nothing's gonna happen to me. Well, I didn't really get the impression that he was scared of Frank. I I think the maybe only... like he he definitely seemed to have patience with him. Yeah, I it don't seemed know. like the patience to me almost seemed like he was having to like it seems like he wouldn't normally put up with this. Like he would be like you know like you know get out of my face with that bullshit. Mm-hmm. But it seems like with Frank he was like I've got to keep my patience. He's a wild card. He's very violent. Yeah, that's true. So I don't know. I just, I couldn't tell because he was very much like a dominant person, but just in a different way. Yeah. But they seem to have some sort of relationship that was, yeah. you know, good with each other, at least. Ben yeah. Like Frank. almost like two sides of the same coin. Yeah. And maybe almost like brothers. Maybe. They could be brothers. That's what I got. I wouldn't be surprised. Frank punches Jeff in the face and then Ben punches him in the gut, which I guess just cements his badness. Yeah. Um, and we find out that he's keeping, he's the one who's got Dorothy's kid. And Frank lets her see him, and from what we can hear behind the door, it seems almost like they've been almost brainwashing the kid a little, you know, like in the way of, not to be too topical, but, you know, when you see the videos of the kids. Reunited um, with their parents. Yeah, and they're just like, I don't know. From the 
Which, I mean, concentration camps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so you can't even trust these matronly-looking women because they're no. obviously not good. They're brainwashing the yeah. child. We don't know what where Don is. Unless no. he's that guy in the mask in the corner that never moves. <laughs> yeah. There's I... someone in a porcelain mask in the back corner mm-hmm. who never moves. <laughs> I vaguely remember that. I, I did kind of get that idea of like how how different almost like the women and the men are in this movie. How about how the men all seem to be very like extrovert and mm-hmm. like very loud with their personalities and all the women are seem to be very demure. Yeah. Um and I guess these women could be like the behind the scenes like brainwashing of the kid. Oh, and I mean, probably I... even yeah. So they're still like it's like almost like weird because they don't present as outwardly as evil. No, but you kind of come to that conclusion. No, they look like a bunch of primal ladies, librarians. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have a really interesting Roy Orbison karaoke scene. Oh yeah, where Frank is lip singing. Well. I guess Ben is really lip singing, but also we can see Frank is singing along. There's a good story in the special features about how one of, I think it was one of the local people who was like doing props. They had something as a fake microphone and David Lynch wasn't happy with it. So Uh he went back into the prop room to try to find something else and just saw somebody holding a work light and was like, that might be really cool. And showed it to David Lynch and he was like, I feel like I made a good contribution. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I love that because, you know, whenever I'm involved in a group project, if like the one little thing that I do gets kind uh-huh. of featured and looks cool, I, I just feel like this little pride. So yeah, I, I felt for the, I felt like real good for that guy. <laughs> yeah. I felt like that was super memorable too, because. Oh yeah. It worked really well. It like seemed very abstract from, you know, it like, you know, how you said Brecht, like taking you out of it, like mm-hmm. using like this thing that's clearly like not. It's yeah. a cl- overtly not a microphone, but it kind of has the shape of an old school microphone. Right, and it adds that eerie quality with the light on yeah. the space. Yeah, and it just felt like I got taken out of it. I love all the music scenes, and it reminds me of Twin Peaks. Yeah. Especially the new ones, where yeah, they have, have the ending credits is always yeah. a performance. You can tell David Lynch really is very influenced by music. Oh, yeah. Um, apparently, Roy Orbison did not originally want them to use this song and they did some oh, they had to do some sort of like i'm not even sure how they managed to do it but they did some sort of a shenanigan so that they could be able to use it uh-huh. but then later on roy orbison saw it and said he really liked it and thought the use was really good and he even had lynch direct a video oh cool i think of that song so then we're all standing in the doorway of ben's house ready to leave and Frank goes, let's fuck. I'll fuck anything that moves. <laughs> and they all disappear like magic. <laughs> that, I, I thought it was so cool. I loved it. I thought it was like, okay, now we're getting like, I feel like as the movie progressed, we're getting crazier and crazier. Yeah, yeah. And this was like, all right, we're at the, we're like at the, the straight up peak craziness. Yeah. <laughs> Although just, we haven't really reached peak craziness. No, but. I feel like it's now in that graph where you hit that straight upward almost yes, climb. Like, yes. okay, we're... We're going. Yeah, it's nonstop from here. So they disappear, and then we get Joyride Part 2, and it's a very common Lynch motif of people on the road. We just see the darkened highway and the car headlights, Uh and Jeffrey is probably really regretting his fling with his his sex with Dorothy about now. All of the goons in the car have like the same anticipatory smirk on their faces. Right. And he's just, he's like torturing Dorothy up in the front, just harassing her. He's got the helium mask again. And 
Jeffrey finally grows some balls and perhaps to his own demise, (laughs) he tries to stop what's going on. And that's when Frank takes him out of the car and starts psychologically torturing him at first. Mm -hmm. And that's also when random girl who I didn't even notice the first time comes out of the car and starts dancing on the roof. I mean, I didn't notice her get into the car the first time. I was like, where did this woman come from? But second time I realized, oh, she came from Ben's house. But yeah, got on the car and was like swaying back and forth. And that's when I was like, okay, this is so Lynch, so Brecht, so I don't know what it is. (laughs) But um, yeah, it, it definitely adds some atmosphere. And Frank like puts on lipstick and starts kissing him. Uh-huh. It's, it's like I guess it's just like a psychological terror. It is very scary though, the way uh-huh. he's behaving. So and then also he's they're listening to that Roy Orbison song in dreams. I walk with you, and he's repeating them back in dreams. I walk with you in dreams. I talk with you, and it's very creepy. And then he beats the crap out of Jeffrey. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone beats the crap out of him. Jeffrey wakes up in a lumber yard, very Ronette Pulaski. It's on Meadow Lane. And he walks home all bruised and broken. Yeah, so he's back at home and he kind of has a little mini breakdown. It was obviously a rough night. It was all a little too much for him. But it almost seems like what he regrets most out of everything is hitting Dorothy because that's what he keeps replaying in his mind well it's like I don't know like it's just like I feel like he like you know viewed the violence obviously firsthand in the closet and then now has experienced the violence firsthand yeah participated in it yeah and then it participated by hitting her in her in her I guess technically most vulnerable state she's naked they're very intimate so it's just I don't know maybe yeah so, I mean, he does obviously have a conscience because, yeah. So, But, you know, he's still got to keep Sandy up to date. So yeah. he gives her a call. <laughs> he's like, hey, girl. Yeah. <laughs> Let me out. tell you some shit went down last night. And she insists that he tells her creepy dad. And he says, yeah, I agree. Your creepy dad is the one who should know. Detective creepy dad. He comes down for breakfast and the mom and the aunt are obviously concerned because he has been beat up. But it's hard to really tell how much time is passing between any of this. This whole movie could take the place in three days, I think. Yeah, I, I, or, I kind of felt like that. Like there wasn't much time passage because I don't know, like I feel like for all this to go down and for not a lot else to happen, I feel like Frank would have been if it had been like a week or something like that frank would have been looking for the guy or if he had saw him back in town right so it's hard to tell but he doesn't look as beat up as i thought he would look no so he goes to the police station and he starts he sees gordon who is Uh, bad cop (laughs) i was a twist i had no idea i was like whoa i i didn't even try to look back and see if he was at all in the beginning when he first goes to the police station. I, yeah, I don't remember seeing him. He might be. I'm not sure. He might be, though. But that was, like, yeah. crazy twist. But he, he's putting all the pieces together. Gordon is corrupt. He's actually played by a local North Carolina guy. The oh, guy really? Gordon. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> he basically busts drug dealers and then sells their drugs. Okay. That's, I think, his main scheme. Well, maybe that ties back to the murder of the guy hanging out the window. Yeah. Drug dealer. Probably. He probably killed him and then stole his drugs. Yep. Yeah. And then broke that poor woman's legs. (laughs) God, it was awful. And so then Jeffrey, you know, he he beats it out of there and goes to Detective Dad's house. And he shows him the pictures, which 
He's pretty good with that pinhole camera, but he's showing him a picture. Oh no, that's from the other thing. But yeah, we get to see nice crisp pinhole pictures. <laughs> his dad, or not his dad, but detective dad seems kind of shook, you know. Yeah. Oh, we've got some corruption going on. I didn't even realize. And I'm wondering at this point, can you even trust detective dad? Is he in on it? That's what I thought. <laughs> I was like, is he involved? Like, that's why I immediately when he was like, I've got to go to the police station. I kind of felt weird about it because at up to this point, he was like, well, I've got to handle it. Like, yeah. I've got to take the reins here and just do it myself. And I feel like in all these kind of movies where that's the trope, you can't trust anyone but yourself no. and your close circle. We don't know how deep this corruption goes. Um, and, yeah, but he does make Jeffrey promise to stop investigating and to keep Sandy out of it. And it's like, uh, too late, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, uh, she's very much deep in it. Yeah, and then we have a little montage of domestic life again for Jeffrey. So I guess a little time passes between then and what happens next. He visits his dad in the hospital again. Now he is the one watering, watering the lawn. And mm-hmm. I said, be careful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought to myself, I was like, watch out. <laughs> no strokes. Then they go, it's like a little date night. Uh-huh. Sandy and to Jeffrey. Yeah, they're going to the party. But before they can leave, Corrupty McGee, Yellow Jacket, Bad Detective, whatever you want to call him. Tom, Gordon. Yeah, Gordon. Uh, Gordon. <laughs> I have so many names written down. Shows up and we're a little worried. Again, we don't know totally if we can trust her dad. Yeah, I mean, and but also at this point, I was thinking, I was like, does Gordon even know? I don't think so, he but doesn't. he did catch a glimpse of him when he was the exterminator, so it's possible that... He's probably like, you look familiar. Yeah. Because, I mean, obviously Frank didn't take any pictures, so it's right. like, how would he be able to tell? Yeah, and I doubt Frank just called up him afterwards and was like, you got to hear what happened last night with this kid <laughs> yeah. we found. Yeah, so they go to the da- they go to a party, and he is not telling Sandy everything. And Nope maybe just because he doesn't want to piss off detective dad because he made him promise you know not to bring sandy into it but right they dance and we get the song oh, i can't remember what it was called i didn't write it down but it is julie cruz singing i write out this sounds like a julie cruz song and she um does a lot of the music in twin peaks oh, she's the okay. Um, singer okay and it was her it was wow. the first time he worked with her as well and lynch actually wrote the lyrics to this song Bad Elementi okay. said when he got it, he was like, what is this? <laughs> it's like a piece of poetry. You want me to write a song to this? It's not written like a song. But, you know, I think he really it works. Work. Yeah. yeah. So we get um, them dancing and him and Sandy make out for a little while on the dance floor. Yeah. I, I think they say they love each other, which I was like, what? Yeah, <laughs> okay. that's why, that's especially. Romeo and Juliet, teenagers falling in love immediately. <laughs> yeah, that's when I especially was like, okay, how old are these people? Because this seems like very like 16, 17 year old kind of love where it's like, yeah, we've known each other for probably a month or two. Yeah. I think I count until maybe like 22 to be a teenager, but. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's true. I know it's not, but young adults. Yeah, young adult love which is crazy yeah and oh well you know love is supposedly from her dream what changes the world so i guess that's she's just love everybody a believer in true love are loving multiple other people or not (laughs) (laughs) but it's such a wholesome looking party (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah it was like i don't see any like you know they even have a beer but yeah drugs and (laughs) they're all just dancing to country music and i was okay right at that moment as you know right after the party i thought did Sandy and Mike officially break up? 
Yeah. And then they start driving home. And at first we think that Frank is road raging behind them and trying to yeah. pull off the road. And then we like, realize, uh-oh. no, it's Mike. So I was like, I guess they did break up. <laughs> Question answered. <laughs> it was so funny because like they, he was like so worried. He was like, oh my God, he's so violent. Like he was, he was like Sandy, be careful. Yeah. And she, he pulled up next to him and she was like, pissed off she was like oh my god it's just mike yeah and mike has his goons to yeah. mirror frank's goons I think uh, but they are not nearly as threatening no. i would be like Ugh, you're not scary at all you no. should see what i did last <laughs> night like... and mike is like oh i'm gonna beat your ass and then dorothy walks out and we get the real image of what i assume david lynch remembers from his childhood right of her walking out obviously broken and vulnerable like and naked traumatized and, and mike I think almost has a David Lynch reaction. I can't tell if he actually starts to cry, but you can tell he feels like, oh my God. Well, yeah, because he was like, is this your girl? And then he was like, oh, (laughs) wait a minute. Yeah. And he feels really bad for being a shitty person. (laughs) Yeah, because clearly this woman has been through it. But his friends are still douches. Yeah. And so, and Sandy is like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) She was like, there's a naked woman. Who's this? I mean, you told me about her, but she is all over you. She's calling him my secret love, a.k.a. my magical quasit elf. Um, (laughs) And she's really putting a crimp on their young romance. And I just, I'm like, poor Sandy, poor Dorothy. And there's just so much emotional trauma that's just swirling around the scene. And you just feel bad for everyone. Yeah, I wonder if there's anything to say, because like, the party and all like the you know normal day stuff that he was doing seemed so like juvenile like it was like yeah. all right we're watching a teen movie like yeah. going to the dance and, <laughs> and then now we're like gets home and there's you know yeah. an abused Soon naked woman the and we're like immediately down. like yeah brought back up to like okay this is adult yeah and then so she's naked and we get the scene and i think this might have been the scene that everyone freaked out about back in the it's day sound, yeah it sounds but like a description are you watching it i mean i guess we're just so used to nudity yeah it's not even like they show her whole body they just no. show from her waist up and i thought this is the least i mean i don't yeah. know it's, it's well, if you definitely think, i pales. guess small town north carolina like well that's true but i'm just thinking of the general movie going public at the time yeah. with all the critics but i wonder if maybe they thought it they didn't know what kind of movie it was going to be, like Blue Velvet. Maybe they thought it was just going to be like, oh, like... Yeah, I don't think it was the nudity as much as just... The violence of her body. How it gets like, under your skin, like this movie is just... And how she's just like broken beyond. Like yeah. she's just like falling apart. Yeah. It's very traumatic. Yeah. So Dorothy... How did she even get to his house? I don't know. Well, she does live down the street, but I don't know. I guess at some point we didn't see. She, he must have mentioned where he lived. Maybe, yeah. Uh, because at first it looks like she's coming out of his house. That's, but yeah. I was like, Maybe I don't think was... his parents would have just, or his mom would have been like, Come in. Come in. Oh, you're <laughs> naked? We'll just wander back out on the street. It's fine. He'll be home in a minute. And I don't even think they go to his house after that. They go to Sandy's house. Yeah, they? they go straight to Sandy's. Yeah, which is weird because they're right outside of his house. But Yeah, maybe she was about to go knock on that door <laughs> yeah. but his mom is a little bit psycho it seems especially from some of the lost footage so uh, it's probably uh, best that they didn't go to his yeah. house and sandy is upset she says you lied to me but then within a second she forgives him within a second well it's just like yeah <laughs> you lied to me i forgive you <laughs> why but like it's also like it's one of those things where she was like you lied to me and i guess she's implying like lying by omission yeah but they weren't together well yeah so he and Technically, they barely know each other. But it's like other. a whole different level of relationship 
like she's like I don't know anything about you. This yeah. is not what you were telling me. I mean, you told me, but you yeah, didn't tell I guess me. it's like it's a little like jarring to see like you know you told me that she all this crazy stuff was happening, but you never told me you had basically a full on sexual relationship yeah. with this woman. <laughs> yeah, but she does forgive him very quickly. Um, yeah, they... I guess it's also jarring the language that Dorothy is using. Oh yeah, she's you know calling him my secret love and saying I need you and... yeah especially when they get to the house yeah she's just clinging on to him desperately it's yep. and when they go to put the robe on her she's like it's almost like she didn't realize she was naked you know they put yeah. it on her she's like she's oh like, oh, oh. <laughs> that's <my laughs> she's Bobby. so out of it I mean I just yeah I just I don't even know what happened to her to get her into that particular state over the day, but it cannot have been good. Him and Sandy say they love each other a lot. Jeffrey, okay, so Jeffrey decides, oh, Dorothy asks him, you've got to save Dom, Don, not Dom. And so he's like, well, okay, Detective Dad told me to say all this, but it's come back to me and I've got to save Don. (laughs) I've got to be the hero. Or I presume he's going to save Don. I don't know why else he would go back to that apartment because she's not there. So Sandy is really worried. She's calling her dad while he's off going to the apartment. He walks into the apartment and we see a very disturbing tableau. (laughs) Oh, yeah. We've got yellow jacket dirty cop with his brain blown out but he's still standing there still yeah. somewhat conscious but obviously yeah, brain damaged bit. we see dead hubby don missing his ear tied up but with he's blue velvet sticking out of his mouth yes which is a callback to that first rape scene where they both had the blue velvet in their mouths right maybe like his like calling card yeah we see we cut back to frank's place and we see the cops show up there and they just open fire on the outside of the building gunfight and i at the time the first time i watched this i was thinking you're gonna kill her child who's in there but then i realized that's probably not ben's place but there's still a million other apartments i mean there are other people who live there and they just shoot it up i don't i wonder if it was like i guess yeah yeah they had name tags for the apartments yeah i I guess they were like we don't care (laughs) maybe they got everyone else out but they just shot up the apartment he's not there so it doesn't really matter and I, I don't know who gave Dirty Cop the head wound, Gordon. I assumed it was Frank because like... I mean, maybe that had something to do with what happened with... Maybe she did it. Maybe Dorothy did it. Maybe that's, that's part of why she was so traumatized. Well, I, looked, I was looking at the scene and I think the TV has a big like indent and like the glass mm. is cracked. So I was like, did his head get run into... Did someone smash the TV? Did he run mm. into... I don't know what ha- like it's yeah obviously something very disturbing happened that we didn't yeah. get to see but um i wonder I, if they ever filmed it i wonder if it's part of the lost footage somewhere out maybe, there in the world maybe maybe it like maybe. explains it but i i feel like i got the impression that because uh, what's this called jeffrey was involved now and pro- he was like i assume he's gonna go to the police and gordon's with the police so i've gotta uh, just get rid of all my people yeah yeah there's definitely some crazy stuff going on or that went on that we never got to see um, yeah and I, I kind of got the impression like who like the time differences between when the police shootout is happening and when we're getting to that apartment could be completely different that's true and that the police shootout Frank could have escaped and been pissed that this, the police are involved now and then killed Gordon because of that yeah and Don yeah well I, I almost felt like Don just expired from 
uh, trauma. Trump, I think his ear cop is <laughs> Yeah, he looked kind of like he had just withered away to nothing because I didn't really see any specific wounds, like no. death blow to him. I mean, his ear wound was wide open, so yeah. <laughs> clearly they didn't do anything to fix that. Oh, God. So Jeffrey starts to leave when he sees the well-dressed man with the alligator the suitcase. Who We don't know who that is. Right. But we maybe think, is he assassin or something? I, I Yeah, I assumed he was like, you know, another like high-level goon maybe or something. Yeah, but Jeffrey uses the radio to outsmart him. Although he doesn't intend to use the radio to outsmart him. At first, he, just, he's, he just realizes, oh, I'm dumb. He's got a radio. And so he uses it to outsmart him, which is actually fairly easy because Frank is obviously... Just, An idiot. Yeah, he's drug-addled dummy but he's yeah, also sl- scary and horrible <laughs> he's just erratic like there's no thought process yeah i want to go back to when he is going down the stairs sees the well-dressed man park and is walking up and then he kind of is like walking up slowly and then it peeks over the railing and the guy is just looking up at him immediately and i was like i got like immediate goosebumps chills <laughs> i was like this is, this is terrifying yeah because the guy looks crazy like you could tell that it's like disguised because it's so unnatural, so unnerving. I was ugh, gave me the chills. Yeah, yeah. So, so he's he uses the radio in the back room, and then he hides in the closet. The well-dressed man comes in and rips off his face. He's Frank in disguise. Yep. Dun, dun, dun. I did not get that either. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what the hell are you gonna do in that closet, Jeffrey? Yeah. <laughs> it's like gonna protect you. But Frank is he goes back to the back. He's you know crazy he wants to kill him he's huffing his juice whatever gas jeffrey sneaks out and gets the gun off the cop which is really smart yeah i thought um we were gonna have revisit that knife that she's stuck behind the radiator because it fell to the floor i thought we were gonna revisit that but that would have been interesting but we don't um (laughs) (laughs) got a gun so he's got the gun in the closet he's huffing and i'm thinking just shoot him just shoot him and then he does he shoots him in the head yeah <laughs> well it was like oh my god i thought he wasn't gonna be able to do it in time because i thought when frank was like the closet i thought he was gonna start firing at the closet already i know I like, but oh. he kind of goes to the kitchen first thinking yep. he's back there and it was it's not until he cut it's a really well done piece of acting because it just shows frank's craziness because he's like looking all around and it's not until his eye just happens to catch the closet that he's like oh that's dun, where, it dun, dun, that's where which it is. it's like was funny because that he went to the kitchen first because in my mind when he was like back in the room I was like I was like Jeffrey should go and kind of the kitchen yeah. he was like you should switch spots so that you know yeah but that would have been bad yeah <laughs> it would have been the first place so he shoots him in the head and goodbye Frank and we see his brains and this is the interesting well interesting gross thing uh David Lynch wanted real brains for this scene so they oh. ordered some brains from Germany and those are Whoa. real human brains human brains yeah Oh, wow. I didn't know you could buy brains from Germany, but apparently you can. Where was it? Oh, I, well, I've been listening to a lot of true crime podcasts about cold cases. Mm. And they've been talking about cadaver dogs and the way in Canada, most of them, there are like people who are like amateurs who get these dogs and train them to the standards of the Canada, Canadian police. And the way they do it is they teach them how to smell like Ooh. bones and bodies. And uh-huh. you can, they said that you can order Dead like human, human parts on easily wow like, it's very easy to order them well so i thought uh, that makes sense yeah, that's so cool <laughs> yeah well gross. They, they used them in the <laughs> movie i don't think you really needed to but no probably silicone but it's interesting 
It makes it, I guess, I mean, more of a lived-in experience for the actor. Apparently, David Lynch used to have a thing when he was a kid. His dad was like, you're a weird kid or something like that <laughs> because he would take dead things and make art uh-huh. out of them. Oh. Which, you know, yeah. I say go for whatever weird, dark kind of art you want to make. I mean, isn't that like kind of like the trope? Get your outlet like, in another, you know. Yeah, like young little boys like dead <laughs> yeah. like, rodents and gross I had like like some dead bugs and stuff so yeah i mean that's like you know i feel like that's like normal it's not like he found like a no. dead rotting like cat and was like let me make art out of this yeah it's probably just like bugs and other stuff yeah well, maybe one day we'll do a david lynch biography episode oh, yeah. that'd be a great idea so it's the climax he shot him there's brains and everyone arrives at the same time. <laughs> Sandy yeah. comes in, her dad Police, comes in. Ambulance. Just after all of the bad stuff has happened, him and Sandy go out into the hallway and their love is fighting back the dark. And yeah. they just make out <laughs> the, the hallway for a little while. <laughs> yeah. And we see the camera go back out of the ear, back oh, into the real yeah. world. I thought that was so cool. That scene with all like the ambulance and the cops and everyone showing up at the same time, I feel like that's such like a common like ending yeah. kind of trope yeah. for a lot of movies. I I don't know if you watch the like, most recent one I can think of is the third season of Stranger Things. Uh huh. I don't know if you've watched it yet. Yeah, I did. When they at the very end, when a Hopper you know goes away and everyone's there and there's like ambulances and blankets. And yes. It just reminded me of that kind of trope. It's you, so used often. Yeah, but you don't often get the two young lovers just making out in the middle no. of all that chaos <laughs> um, but their love is fighting back the dark and once we travel back out of the air everything seems normal we've got dad is fine yeah. he's in the backyard <laughs> i i don't know if that was detective dad with him or not but sandy's there aunt barb is it aunt barbara aunt something or other and yeah. mom are there and the world's fakest looking robin yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like an animatronic straight from a disney ride yeah i was like okay <laughs> plastic bird actually the disney ride ones nowadays are much better than that one. Oh yeah um and the robin is eating the bugs symbolic mm-hmm. the love is eating the darkness but aunt what's her name says i don't know anyone who wants to eat a bug <laughs> yeah, i was like okay weird lady as she's like eating something small and round, just like the bug. Yeah, oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. And then we're back out to see the fireman and the white picket fence. And we get a little touching scene of Dorothy yeah. and her son happy. And we get a happy ending. Yes. Although it feels very dreamy. And I was like, there's no way that her and her son are going to have a normal, normal good life. relationship That's what I thought. after I was this. Like, but... <laughs> as we're panning out, I was like, I hope she's in therapy. Yeah. But it felt good because I feel like the whole movie was so drenched in just like trauma and darkness and ugliness and violence. And the fact that we get this dreamy, like perfect, happy ending, yeah. I felt like that was like the perfect way to yeah. wrap up that kind Even of if it was a little eerily, perhaps not real, it's yeah. hard to tell, but it still makes me feel good to have. Yeah. Well, at yeah. least Dorothy and her kid are back together. I yeah. mean, <laughs> and it's like I I felt like Isabella Rossellini was she like her acting in this movie was so good like her facial expressions because when she's in that darkness like you feel it with her body language and her face, and when she at the very end when she's happy you can tell like she her she's just like at peace yeah it feels like she's like ah this is yeah no more and all of the bad people are dead yeah <laughs> so basically. she probably doesn't have to deal with any of that anymore no, yeah thank God. And yeah, that's the end of Blue Velvet. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> 
So I thought maybe we could do an under the surface, but I think we basically covered it all. I had written down American surrealism, which uh-huh. we talked about a lot. The ear as the opening into another world, the bugs, the desire for danger, you know, uh-huh. their cookie cutter life. And they just, or, you know, because they're already in some sort of trauma, they want more and their desire to poke at taboos and just the pain and desire and how those two go together seems to be common themes for this particular movie. Uh huh. And I didn't do a deep dive on a character specifically for this one, but I did watch the lost footage on the Criterion Collection, so I oh, thought cool. I'd tell you a little bit about it. Yes, please. So the lost footage kind of, the way David Lynch, I've noticed, I've watched a couple of his lost footages, he edits them all together. It's not like, here's the scenes that are missing. He edits mm-hmm. it together like it's its own little piece of art. Oh, okay, cool. So it's not really in order, I would say, necessarily. Because uh-huh. it starts off with a scene, a Frank scene, okay. from the Joyride, where they go to uh-huh. like a bar and harass some guy. But the really <laughs> most interesting part about that is at the very end of the scene, there's, this, there's a bunch of naked women just uh-huh. around this pool table. I'm not really okay. sure what's the deal with this bar, but... This one woman at the very end lights her nipples on fire. Oh. I think she has some sort of weird what? pasty candle thing going okay. on. I mean, it's not like her actual nipples, but something yeah, on her something nipples. Com- it looks like her nipples are burning. It's very wow. Oh, okay. Weird. Huh. I wonder if it's like some sort of reference to like the surrealism movement because there are a lot of other surrealistic references in his work yeah. and the way that they portrayed women's bodies in like early works of art like in surrealism a lot of like they wasn't like positive towards women it was very like objectification Mm -hmm. and kind of like the idolization of like not torturing women's bodies but like like doing whatever they wanted yeah like fetishizing like i don't want to say torture some cases it was torture it was like grossly like (laughs) awful towards women right but i feel like maybe that's his reference to that and could be like maybe a less violent yeah. interpretation of it. Even if it's not a specific reference, I'm sure it is a surrealist element. Right. <laughs> it's definitely a re- And we get a little at the beginning of the lost footage that is Jeffrey at college. So we get to see a little, the, it starts off with him. And I don't, I think it kind of works better to not have this scene in there just because you get it fine from the movie. You don't need it. Uh-huh. But he is at like a college party and he is up in the attic spying on this couple who are well they're having sex but it's really like the guy is basically trying to date rape this woman and he he stops them from doing it but it's like oh i can already see this weird like hero slash pervert complex yeah (laughs) like you start off as a peeping dom but then you just light in the dark you can't help it you gotta i mean of course you see that happening you can't let, let it happen, happen. yeah <laughs> not to be listened to everyone out there um, <laughs> please don't let date rapists yeah stop it from happening thing. so his mom calls him at school and says that he has to come home for good and he can't go back because she can't afford to because of her, the dad right you know, in the she medical can't bills. Run store or something yeah so that gives like. a like a, a more to his existential crisis i would say you know okay being dragged away from your life to go back to your old life and take care of everyone and become like the i can definitely relate partner. to that yeah uh, and oh that's where we see megan mullally oh her name is louise she's his college girlfriend she doesn't really seem to give that much of a crap about Jeffrey, to tell you the truth. <laughs> he says he's leaving, and she's just like, okay. 
she just doesn't seem to like him that much honestly no. she's giving him looks the whole time that and that we also he tells her that he had a stroke or a clot or something like that okay we get to see a little more of jeffrey's mom and his aunt uh-huh. they do like a little duet of oh my darling clementine while they're <laughs> washing dishes that's an interesting little moment also i the first time that we see jeffrey go to detective dad's house before he meets sandy in this lost footage he meets sandy's mom first and sandy and mike are there and so he kind of meets her Uh, and she kind of sees mike out while he's having this conversation with her dad and then when he leaves is when she comes back and they but i think it works so much better to have her just come through the trees oh yeah it was so much it was so more like uh, and not really get to know mike because we don't need to know him (laughs) much more like avant-garde and like real like just artistic and so much cooler yeah we get to see the the two opening acts for Dorothy at the club. Uh The first is a dog eating out of a dog food bowl with a spotlight on it, and there's a little rabbit sign behind it, like a little neon rabbit. Uh Uh-huh. And that's it. Oh, all right. Him, Jeffrey and Sandy are looking at each other like, okay, this is interesting. And the second is this weird, weird thing where there's a comedian telling really bad jokes. Uh Uh-huh. There's a two-person band with old men, and there's a... And they're singing Beautiful Dreamer. Okay. <laughs> and there's a lady belly dancing on one side. <laughs> Behind him is a one and a two with a chick, a giant chicken and a giant egg sign. And they keep switching places like, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Oh, okay. And he's just telling these horrible jokes and they're like, bodom ching. And singing Beautiful Dreamer in the interim. It's so odd and i was thinking no wonder they all love dorothy so much if this is the other <laughs> entertainment they get <laughs> i was supposed to say they're like can we get something that makes sense yeah we get to see jeffrey coming home and his mother is waiting up for him at night it's very spooky it's after mm-hmm. that first scene with isabel rossellini where he has the um the cut, cut on his face and she really guilts him about there's gotta be rules you can't come home this late and it's just so weird because he's yeah. an adult <laughs> yeah <laughs> i kind of like that scene not being there yeah it's better to just, you know, not know how crazy his mom is. But, and then he gets a phone call from his Louise, his college girlfriend, and she I think she's saying she's getting married. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, okay. All right, girl. Everyone in this movie is crazy. <laughs> it was so fast. We also have that, di- oh, that date where they go in front of the church and park. Uh-huh. Before that, he had had dinner with the family, according to this last footage, and Mike uh-huh. was there. Uh, and so they had like this whole weird night of where Mike is like talking about sports the whole time. Uh-huh. And they watch this weird thing on television, which is called the annual chair pull, uh-huh. where it's all these women in ball gowns pulling giant chairs down a track. It's very what? bizarre. <laughs> all right. um, in an intercut with this, we see his aunt back at home who is on the search for termites because she's convinced there's termites in the house, which there are. She finds some. We get to see Jeffrey call Dorothy at home and Frank picking up, and he just sits there in silence for a little while until oh. he says, Dorothy? And he Frank is like, who's this? And he hangs up real fast, and he feels really dumb for that. That might have been an interesting yeah. one to keep in there. Extra um, stakes. We see Frank searching a field for something, which I assume may be the ear, or I don't know. Uh-huh. Um we get to see the little note that the aunt left for him with a couple of termites circled like on the page but circled like Uh, look i found them we got a couple of scenes with dorothy 
the second scene where he goes back to her, we we never get to like see them make love. It's a very short scene, uh-huh. uh, but this is this really fills it out. So he comes. They're kind of like you know they meet up. She's you know my magical closet elf, and <laughs> uh, the door. There's a knock on the door, and it's bad cop showing back up, and she shoves him back into the closet, uh-huh. and the bad cop is basically like, yeah, you're sleeping with Frank so why don't you fuck me too <laughs> and uh, she kicks him out so obviously he's he's not a good grimy. I mean he's obviously not good but he's really not good and she, she has um, a suicide that gets prevented by Jeffrey where Ugh. she she says why can't I just die and then she takes him to the roof and she throws off one of just a red high heel uh-huh. and then she like ha- kind of leans on the edge like she Wants like to wants fly to on the edge, her. and when she gets close, Jeffrey stops her, and that's when they have sex. Oh. And then there's this little nice note right before the credits that's just like, if there's anyone who's in the background whose name didn't get put into this credits, Aww. I'm so sorry, but you were all so amazing. And it's just a sweet little note by David Lynch before the credits. And then right afterwards, there's some outtakes, <laughs> which is so <laughs> funny. You never think of outtakes in a David Lynch. No, um, not a movie like this. Get like a little bit with Laura Dern and Kyle MacLachlan and Francis Bay cracking up. <laughs> <laughs> and um, since I didn't do a deep dive, I didn't really go into the astrology of any particular person, but I just feel this whole entire movie is chock full of Slytherins and Scorpios. Yeah. So it's just like, <laughs> you could just classify the whole movie as a Scorpio. <laughs> yeah. So- it's all about taboos and the undersurface and what's really going on and being drawn to that and oh for sure yeah and i guess a slytherin is pretty much yeah. the only thing maybe like two gryffindors Jeffrey yeah and they're like a harry potter gryffindor where they could be slytherin yeah they're like <laughs> uh like cusp i guess yeah. you could say yeah they're, they're the cusp of gryffindor slytherin. <laughs> yeah i would say maybe like sandy's like i would say she's a solid gryffindor because she's up for the adventure yeah. um and she doesn't seem to have that like ambitious she just is like i'm just gonna you know i'm for the here for the adventure yeah but she doesn't actually person. really want to Loyalty. get into the adventure too much. No, she's like, let me be on the outskirts. <laughs> yeah. I'll just help you right. with my knowledge. Okay. And that's that's all we have for Blue Velvet. Let's say what our do you have what are your final thoughts on the movie? Do you have a I don't know. I really enjoyed it. I, I it was different than I thought it was gonna be. I obviously knew like, you know, crime, drama, whatever. And it just it took a turn that I didn't it was much more darker than I thought it was going to be in the sense of like like helplessness is what I got from a lot of it and it was just it was hard to watch a lot of parts of it and it was scary but I thought it was really well done Mm -hmm. and I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would (laughs) one thing that I wrote down (laughs) at the end that I forgot to say was that I don't know if you've watched Designing Women before oh back in the day when it was on (laughs) (laughs) but every time Dorothy had that big hair on I was like is that Delta (laughs) Berg yeah she just has some big hair yeah it was that big like fluffy yeah. southern debutante hair like yeah. i was like that's delta burke yeah you could feel the south and yes yeah. even though the lumber and it felt kind of northwest because of the yeah. twin peaks reference but yeah there was definitely a lot of south in it <laughs> yeah I, but i thought it was so funny because i was like oh, the hair it's just it's so perfect yeah but I, I really enjoyed it i loved it yay i i loved it too of course i Loved most David Lynch, and it was actually really. I'm glad I came back and revisited it because it's been so long. Obviously, I've forgotten everything that happens, and it's almost like all of Twin Peaks, which is obviously one of my favorite things, but right. like distilled into like this perfect little 
to our pocket movie. I mean, it felt so. I mean, it's a normal length of a movie, but it yeah. felt sh- so short. Yeah, because everything happened so fast. Yeah, and because usually David Lynch is not as good at wrapping up all of his ideas. It's such a great little uh-huh. package, but I I loved it. Yeah, and I think it's the perfect contrast with Jane Austen. <laughs> oh yeah, I was to say like I at the end of this, I was thinking I was like any similarities, and I was like I feel like these this these two first movies that we did might be a little bit on the opposite. I end. wouldn't say that there's anything specifically that's similar between no, Jane Austen yeah, and David Lynch, but the one thing I do find in both of their work is that there's a lot going on subtextually. Yeah, behind the scenes. Yeah. Especially, I mean, Jane Austen, you know, it's English. It's very proper. They're all saying what they should be saying and not what yeah. they're thinking. And David Lynch is a little less, dia- does it less with dialogue and more with like imagery and just story. Yeah, and like actions. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's the I, similarity between these first two are behind the scenes stuff. But yeah, and I think it's good to have both because I think we would get sick of either one if we just did one week after week or the other. So. Oh, yeah. I'm glad we've decided to do it like this. Let's give our recommendations for something that else that we love that people might want to enjoy. Okay. Do you have anything in mind? I do. This week it'll be music. There is this Canadian like country alternative artist named Orville Peck. I recently found out about him through his song Turn to Hate and it's just so it's so cool. Like his his voice and it's so funny that we talked about Roy Orbison. <laughs> his voice is very deep like Roy Orbison. Mm. Like it sounds a lot like it. And it's like this like almost like this modern like but also classic country feel and it's got this like alternative kind of like undertones it's just so cool (laughs) and i love his album is out it's really it's called pony and it's super cool super super good i think it's one of my favorite albums so far this year (laughs) and he's got this like weird like i don't know what you would call it what the word is for it but like something that he's known for is he wears these like bandit masks that have fringe on them so you never see his face oh how mysterious. But it's so cool. How Yeah. <laughs> and I think, I want to say, don't quote me on this, but I think he's queer. Because a lot of his songs have, like, that kind of reference. And he's friends with a lot of, like, queer artists. So, but it's just, like, it's so cool. Like, nice. he's just, like, this mysterious singer. And he's super talented. So I would recommend listening to the album. It's really good. Oh, I will. I always need music res- recommendations because I... I'm not good at following music. It's just one of those things that yeah. I listen to so many podcasts and books on tape that I don't really search out what's good in music. Mm-hmm. Although Roy Orbison was one of my very first, as oh, a really? child, ones wow. that I found on my own that I was like, I love this yeah. man. <laughs> I would say, yeah, that it, he's just so cool. Like his voice is very similar to Roy Orbison and it's like this weird mix of alternative, like country. It's so cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think you would like it. I'll definitely check it out. My recommendation for this week is The Dark Crystal on Netflix, the series. I watched the original when I was a kid and I liked it. I loved it. But this new series is so much more rich and interesting. And there's so many great characters. And I mean, it takes a couple. I mean, it only takes maybe like 10 minutes to get past the fact that they're puppets that Mm -hmm. 
so they don't have as much facial expression. Although they do a really good job of having facial expression, but it's just so well done. And I love a good Henson and it's got that dark, but you know, it's kind of lives in the space between Jane Austen and David Lynch for me. It's like uh-huh, it's that perfect combination light dark of light and, and dark adventure. And I really loved it. So I definitely recommend checking it out on Netflix. I um I watched the original like a long time ago. Like I barely remember any of it. And I know when it was coming out that I thought to myself, I was like, I should give it another try. And I I know my boyfriend was watching the new one and I watched some of the episode and I was like, oh, this looks, it looks super cool. Like <laughs> it looks so different than the original, but the same. Yeah. And there's just this, like such a cool storyline and it's so cool how they've developed it's this. It's got like, an amazing voice cast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was looking at the IMDb and I was like, all these amazing people. And the fact that they've built this like cool little fantasy world and it's like, so developed it's so cool yeah so i'm definitely gonna get it and i really hope that they do more because you never know with netflix they seem to just at first when netflix first came out it was oh my god i can watch shows that they canceled and they just bring them back and now they're just like you liked it yank it away from you (laughs) (laughs) you'll never see anymore i hope they do more of dark crystal because it was i think it was such a big hit that they're gonna probably do another season yeah i'm sure it's expensive though oh for sure (laughs) i mean but netflix but once you build the puppets I mean, maybe there's not as much expense after that. Oh, I'm sure. I'm, but Necklace has got the budget, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, probably. So that's pretty much it for today. Let's lay our contact information out for the people. <laughs> yeah, sure. Have... You can visit us on our website at mannersofmadness.com. That's where you'll find really all the informational stuff about our podcast, what platforms. All our episodes. Yeah, all our episodes, what platforms are available on, and you know, we're going to be updating it more as we get further into the podcast. So that's really kind of where to stay up to date with more of like the informational stuff with the podcast. You could find us on Twitter at Manners Madness, on Instagram at Manners and Madness Pod, and our Gmail account is Manners and Madness at gmail.com. And we really would love to hear any sort of suggestions you have or what you like, what you don't like. And really just want to hear from you. See what you like about the podcast. Let us know. (laughs) Yes, please. Drop us a line. Let us know what your thoughts are. And rate and review and subscribe on your pod catcher of choice. (laughs) Yes. Yes, please. Review, review, review. Yes. Thank you so much. We will see you next week with the... With no, the, sense, 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 sensibility, right? Either Pride and Prejudice or Sense and Sensibility. We have not decided which one is coming <laughs> next. It depends on our guest. Yeah, but it'll definitely be Jane Austen. It'll be one of those two of the major motion picture versions. So we hope you'll come back and join us next time. Yes. At Banners and Madness. All Thank right, you. See you then. Good night. <laughs>